Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And here's James Tarkovsky who makes his 50th Everton Premier League appearance. And here's Calvert Lewin teeing it up for Mikalenko. Well, a scorer last week, he battered that one with his right foot. Here at Everton on the offensive, and he's there again! Oh, this is incredible! Vitaly Mikalenko scores in successive games for Everton! Headed away as far as Garnagay. Turned back for Mikalenko! Oh, so close and put in by Decore! Mikalenko's efforts off the post, but Decore was there to turn the loose ball home. Everton's turn to apply a little bit of pressure on Crystal Palace now. Idrissa Garnagay, we're inside the final five minutes of the 90, and here is Idrissa Garnagay for Everton! Brilliantly finished! Well, Everton are starting and finishing this game superbly well. His first for Everton since April of 2018.
Hello Blues, it's the Toffee Web Podcast, it's the last international break of the year, and in contrast to a year ago when we Toffees were a little shell-shocked by three successive defeats, two of them in Bournemouth, Everton go into this fortnight's hiatus feeling pretty good about themselves. Saturday's dramatic win over Crystal Palace was the sixth in the last nine in all competitions. It lifts us into 14th place, which is the highest place we've been since the 29th of October last year, just before that pre-World Cup collapse. It's not always pretty, and we ride our luck at times, but Sean Dyche certainly appears to be succeeding in what he himself highlighted as the biggest priority when he came in, and that was to change the mentality at Everton. So, can we now start to look up the table, where ninth place is just three points away? We'll discuss it all, including the events at Selhurst Park at the weekend, and look forward to the visit after the break of Manchester United, who really aren't in a good place right now by their lofty standards. I'm joined again by Paul Trail, as well as three team members coming off the sidelines in the form of Andy Howard, Adam McCulloch and El Bretland. Adam, why don't we go in alphabetical order today? Your overall thoughts on the win against Palace and the state of Evertonia in general. Well, on the pitch at least. <laughs> yeah, that's easier. That's the easier answer. A is for Adam. Okay, let's go. There you go. Um, yeah, <laughs> and A is for a way win. What a, what a performance. Um, what a crazy crazy weird game it was a bit like a basketball match at times in the first half very very to and fro three goals away from home Mikalenko causing all sorts of problems Decore as well um really really positive as you say it's not always pretty it's direct but it's effective it's enjoyable to watch because we're getting goals out of games where as you mentioned uh 12 months ago we were obviously in a, a far more precarious position and also playing quite tepid, passive football apart from the odd bright spot. Whereas what we're seeing now is chances from the off. That's three games where we've scored in the first 60 seconds under Sean Dyche and starting on the front foot and starting to take chances as well. And we spent a lot of time obviously going over those really disappointing early results against the likes of Fulham and Wolves where we didn't take our chances but you're starting to see amidst that direct football and that kind of gunko approach at times with Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Decore causing problems up front and Mikalenko just swinging at balls and something happens and getting stuck into tackles as well in, in the opponent's area, which is great to see. But you're starting to see that little bit of cohesion and composure come into the play in the attacking third. And I think... The first goal from the off really typified that, having that awareness from Mikalenko to win the ball back. Um, Decore, who obviously was involved a lot throughout, I'm sure we'll, we'll go into greater detail in his role, but having that awareness to find Harrison, that lovely clip ball from Harrison across, which, dare I say it, if we're going back 12 months and we have Damari Gray out wide, does that ball get delivered in the same way? Do we take that chance? Maybe not. And then a full-back rampaging forwards with a bullet header that's something I don't know is that Steve Watson the last time that kind of happened and he wasn't really played at fullback so it doesn't really doesn't really count does it so it's very entertaining and most importantly in a topsy-turvy game we really came out on top so yeah as you say breathing breathing room ahead of um, an international break that we can shrug off for what it is, an international break, rather than see it as this huge gap before a big old game. We can we can look forward to the uh, the space in between. So, um, yeah, I've got my dictionary out. And next in alphabetical order is Andy Howard. What did you think? 
well, we've we've got a team, haven't we? And that's something we haven't had for quite a while. Uh, a steady, settled team that clearly knows its role and individually and as as a group. But what I love about this this game more than anything, and the result more than anything, is that Everton are now in a position where everything doesn't have to be perfect to win a football match. We've gone through so much time where you think, oh my word, we're going to have to take every chance we make because we're not going to make many. Or if we make a slip up at the back, how are we going to win the game from there? And everything's had to be perfect for so long. And that's why it's been so frustrating to watch Everton because obviously it hasn't been perfect. And this is a game where we conceded one sloppy penalty. Um, we've we've given away a lead twice. We've not played particularly well. We've been, I think, outplayed a little bit in the second half, and we've come away with three points. Um, and I I struggle to kind of think of the last time we actually. Um, I wouldn't say we we undeservedly won the game, but we we were second best at times. And we've still come out with three points. And, and uh, that that's the best thing about it for me. Um, and you look at the table now. Um, you're talking about looking up rather than down and all that. I mean, you know, we are, we've got twice as many points at least as anybody in the relegation zone. People bang on about Brentford being so good. Well, they're two points ahead of us. Um, Chelsea are two points ahead of us. Wolves are apparently doing well. Well, they're a point ahead of us. People see Palace as pretty solid citizens of the Premier League these days. Well, they're only just a point ahead of us. And we're ahead of Forrest and Fulham. Um, I mean, it, you know, it, it is really, the, the I think, the we, we said the turning point was a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, when we could start to look up. I think that result really does cement us as one of those clubs in the middle of the pack that could quite conceivably go and finish in the top 10 or quite conceivably stay where we are in 14th. Um, you know, obviously points deductions pending, but uh, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about the fact that we have got ourselves into a position on the pitch where we will be, I would say, a match for anybody. I said on the group after that game, we are really average in this league now. And that in itself, I think is wonderful. Yeah, that's spot on. I, th- I think the word Adam used before, efficient. I think that I think that's what this Everton team is. It's efficient that it's when it's not even at its best, it will still get results. And I think on the podcast when Deitch was appointed, I think a few of us mentioned, you know, would it be similar to the Moyes era? And I think that that performance at Palace was very similar to the to the days when we had, you know, Marin Fellaini, Tim Cale in the team. You would go away from home. You'd have a you know you'd have a tough battle. Everton wouldn't be amazing. But they'd more often than not go and get a result um, because they had that battle in quality. They had a, a manager who was pragmatic, um, a manager who, as you mentioned, Andy, a settled team. That is huge for, you know, I would say that the last two years Everton have struggled because they haven't had that. They haven't had a centre-forward to rely on. They haven't had a settled centre-back pairing. And now it's just all the pieces are going together for, as you say, Andy, an average season. You know, we're not going to pull up trees, but we've got we've got the right mixture now of... You know, just enough things are going our way, I think. Um, and, you know, it's just massive that when you're not playing well, you know, I've still got, as as a fan, you know, you might watch it and the result is all that matters. But, you know, when, you, when you're in the game and it's, you know, the Palace are pulling you back, there's some things that are still quite frustrating to witness. 
Um, but on the flip side, it's like just getting results and that's all that matters. So I still think, I wouldn't say there's room for improvement as such. I think we're, in terms of progress, I think it's as good as it can be. And that, you know, massive credit to Deitch. You know, but hopefully this is the, the laying of the foundation to move on from the last two years. And then, you know, slowly but surely, Deitch and the team can, ju- can just build on that because, you know, to, to have that many points on the board is just amazing. I mean, we've got seven wins this season. It took us till March the 11th last season to get that tally. Um, You know, and it, it just little things like having five men in the box in the first 30 seconds to attack that ball. You know, how long have we have we been looking and seeing that, you know, we've had Neil Morpay isolated with nobody in about 30 yards of him. Um, We've got three goals on four occasions already this season. We did that twice last year, and one of them was the Brighton game, 5-1. Uh, so it just goes to show that, you know, Deitch's really pushed that team forward now to to be efficient and to, to get those little markers and to pull us away from, you know, those sort of stats where you're thinking we're going to go down. We've now got those stats where it's like, we'll be okay. And so it's just massive progress, really. We um, didn't win seven games until March. Sorry, it took it took us till, till March to win seven games last season. Is that right? So, sounds about right. Yeah, you wonder how you, how we even survived on that, don't you? Don't yeah. you? It's a, <laughs> that's a that, that's a so that, that, that's a very damning start. And you're, you're right about Sean Dice. She's um, I, I was a bit I was a bit taken aback by some of the criticism after the Brighton game or people like, oh, why didn't we sort of see, you know, we see that out? And we were, we we're really unlucky not, not to win that game in the end. And some of the criticism that gets leveled at them at times, just, I just found myself scratching my head because um, the, the, the difference is night and day, really, from where we were. So I'm loving the way we're starting games. That's one um, That's one thing, I'm, you know, we're really going, going after that early goal. And he's he backs himself to, to see the game out often, I think, you know, once we go ahead. I thought the Crystal Palace performance, I, I didn't think we played particularly well for a lot of the game, but we found a way to win, and that's uh, it's great. It's um, it's not often we're able to say that, that we've um, played, you know, okay, mediocre. You'd even say not that well, and, and won the game. It's it, it's so rare, and I think on balance, if you're looking at them first couple of home games when we lost to Fulham and lost to Wolves, yeah, I think certainly we deserved. Um, you know, if, if you're balancing that against how we did against Crystal Palace, if you know what I mean, I think uh, we're certainly certainly entitled to a you know to to a win when we when we didn't quite deserve it, and we, we certainly would have been valued for a draw at Palace. So um, yeah, it was really really made up, and um, they showed good battle, didn't they? Um, thought Tarkovsky had a, had a brilliant game off from that ridiculous mistake. Had, 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 had a brilliant game at the back, and um, he's really impressing me at the moment. Um, just yeah, just just uh, seeing them working for each other all over the pitch and it's just great and if, I think Andy uh, Andy encapsulated it really well of just you're not really worried about what's below us at the moment and it, it is a case of looking up and just seeing where we go and you're right let's not think about the uh, any possible points deduction what will happen will happen with that but certainly you know it's a time to look up and it's a time to maybe think about well if, if not in the league then, then why not the cup as well because we're in the quarter final that coming up quite soon so um, loads of reasons to be positive and it's uh, been a long time hasn't it since we've had that so uh, yeah all, uh, all smiles from me at the moment yeah I was one of the ones who was quite critical after the Brighton game and I think it, it just comes back to that discussion that we were having um, last week, you know, Paul and the other Paul, <laughs> Paul M, we were talk- talking about this, the whole issue of um, p- 
possession and if and Andy Adam and L, if you want to sort of chime in on that just because you weren't part of the discussion feel free but it, I mean it seems that on Twitter at least that the discussion has kind of devolved into this all or nothing black or white discussion we we're either a, a team that hasn't that just doesn't use the ball and has no possession and prepared to just not have it or you know you have to have the ball all the time and I think my take is that there's obviously this there is a middle ground between the 80 20 split that we had against Brighton and again in the second half against Palace um, and on the flip side just passing the ball around for the sake of it I don't think I don't think Evertonians would ever warm to that to that side-to-side possession football in their own half, which is why I don't think Graham Potter would ever have been a good fit at Goodison. I've seen lots of people say that he wouldn't last five minutes because you know we would just start moaning at him. Just, the crowd just get it forward, get it forward. Um, I don't know if any of you saw the, the clip of Deitch talking to Andy Gray about his philosophy around uh, around this, but it's all very common sense and very much in keeping with you know the kind of the front foot football as as we Blues like to see. But you can see there was a clear difference between. The way that we attacked in the first half against Palace, where the players were finding each other with passes and the long balls were at least giving Dom a chance against um, Anderson in particular, whereas in the second half, it was all very haphazard and rushed. And Pickford's distribution was terrible, which for, for me, it has been for a while, if I'm being honest. I think he's he's just being a bit too... He's just trying to get the ball out too quickly sometimes, I think, and often it's just going straight down the field, often to the goalkeeper or it's nowhere near the strikers so in the second half nothing was sticking up top so there are times when for me personally I think you just need to simply hold the ball for a few minutes and just take the heat out of the game and that's something we just didn't do effectively either against Brighton or against Palace so you know when you when you take into account how open we were at times against Palace and how high that defensive line was at times I felt we were a little lucky and as we found out against Brighton your luck doesn't always hold so if that's that's for me where my argument comes in is if you could just keep the ball for just a little bit longer you just reduce the amount of pressure that your defense is under and you obviously reduce the number of chances that the opposition can can have to, to take away your lead but obviously having said all of that um, we've deserved some luck based on those early results at the start of the season that you mentioned Paul um, we've taken three points away from London for the third game in succession and we're 14th so all in all happy days <laughs> I I think there's a there's a tendency to want us to run before we can walk here. I mean, we've been through some terrible times in the last two years, um, and we are a recovering football club. Well, football team. The, I don't know whether the football club's actually <laughs> recovering or going backwards, but um, the, the 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 team on the field is it, it's we're in recovery here, and yes, it would be great to see us do X, Y, and Z with the ball, and um, you know always have two options when we've got it on the deck and um, play great forward passing football, but also um, uh, you know have more of it and all the rest of it. But that feels a long way off. From from where we from the base we're starting from, um, and you know the, the the two games we've just mentioned, we got four points. I mean, um, it, it, it for me personally, I mean, this is only a personal opinion. It, it's much more about the product of what we're doing. I mean, I thought the Brighton game, going back to it, because I wasn't on the pod that week, I thought it was a great game of football to watch because there's two very defined um, teams with very defined game plans who were acting out their game plan almost to the letter. 
And that's why it made quite a good football match. And it made quite a tight football match. Um, Brighton couldn't, you know, um, kind of, they couldn't imprint their game plan on the game enough to win it. Neither could we, but we held them and we were as good as them at it. So I don't know. I I feel as though that stuff, I get a bit tired with reading kind of, why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing that? That number's not high enough. I, I think we've just got to look at the end product. Um, and that at the moment is points, and I and I, I just I just feel as if that's the bottom line. Yeah, I agree, and I think yeah, I, I know you guys, um, Lyndon and Paul Squared, uh, discussed <laughs> on last week's pod that yeah, that that is the important stat, isn't it? That a lot of these glamour stats like XG can be useful for context, but they can also mask what you see with your eyes, especially being at the game, and if. If if the ball's going in the net and if chances are being created, then that's far better than a kind of passive style. And I think, yeah, I, I totally take your point as well, though, Lyndon, that over the course of 90 minutes, maybe seeding too much possession makes life harder for you. And that's maybe where in other games, and Brian was an example of that, where you will concede goals in the second half and you will be worn down and the, the passes will start to get looser and more tired because you're having to do so much running um, without the ball and make your job a little bit harder in some instances. But then I think to go back to that idea of expectation, I think in the past the frustration has been that we've got players in the squad who, whether it's at other clubs or through past evidence, sometimes at Everton Football Club, have got the quality on the ball and the composure. They don't really seem to know what to do with it and look disjointed. But I think what we're starting to see, and I mentioned it in the first goal, and we see it in the third goal as well, where through some consistent game time and game time together, I think you mentioned, Al, as well, like the beauty of the players actually having time spent together. You see the likes of Decore making better decisions in the final third, having that extra touch, having that, that it's less rushed, it's less forced. And if we can continue to do that as the season goes on, I'd I mean, Idrissa Gay didn't balloon one over the bar, didn't do his kind of rugby conversion <laughs> attempt. It Progress. Sort of sl- sl- yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and, and, and as well, Decorey, to go back to him, I think, I, I remember saying in the uh, in the away game at Brentford that probably the only player on the pitch who can play that sort of quality through ball beyond an honour is probably James Garner for the Dominic Calvert-Lewin goal. But then you've seen Decorey, again, growing in confidence, growing in stature. He's got a new contract as well, and his, his role in the team's obviously more important now, certainly than it was under Lampard. But you see him that through regular games, he's he's showing the qualities that we've seen. And I think those, those gradual incremental changes are going to be far better than, as you say, Lyndon, the polar opposite, which would be, yeah, let's bring in a Graham Potter and let's play sort of tick-attacker. And it doesn't really... It doesn't really work with what we've got. Let's make the gradual progress. And then I think we will see the likes of Anana and Garner, hopefully just, again, through experience. Young, young players as well in that position as well. I think that's that's another thing to bear in mind. A lot of that team's pretty young. So we, we've got to allow some of them to make mistakes. Bramthwaite made a few mistakes in the past couple of games. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. and that's, but luckily not been too detrimental to us. So I think, I think that's where, the expectation has to be for where we're at now, as opposed to maybe if this was Carlo Ancelotti with you know a, a few more transfer windows and where we were at, say, three years ago, we might be right to question either the style of football or the direction of a club. But 
given the context of the last couple of years, I think it's it's nice just to breathe a bit of a sigh of relief, isn't it? And and also win games that we're not supposed to. So, you know, let's enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, just, just to jump back in quickly, just, I mean, everything that you've said there is correct. And basically my my point is, is that I'm not asking them to do anything that they cannot do because as we saw for the third goal, we saw in the first half against Palace and particularly we saw at Brentford when we were moving the ball around quite well. The, the players are capable of doing it. Just, it's just a bit more of the composure that when we are under the cosh, when we do need to kind of manage the game a bit better, that's all That's all I'm asking for. And I'm not asking for anything that, that they, they can't do. Um, and I mean, El said that he doesn't see that there's much room for, for improvement. I see that there is actually quite a lot of room for improvement and we're going to see it over the course of the season. The, the more results like that happen and the more secure we are on the table and obviously the longer the Deitch is there, hopefully the more there will be a much more of this composure and you will see even more of an identity in the team and just better football, you know, I'm hoping. that's. I'm, I'm sure that Deitch doesn't want to be, you know, just slinging it over the top to the to the goalkeeper either. You know, he's probably tearing his hair out sometimes when Jordan Pickford does that. So, yeah. And, and you know, fundamentally, bottom line, we're getting results and um, improving all the while. And as you said, players like Branthwaite can make their mistakes. He's not getting punished for them because we're picking up points. I, I mean, that's that's ideal situation. You know, because we are not we're, we're not expecting to qualify for Europe this season. As long as we stay up, we get consolidate mid table, uh, and all the while we're improving. Then that's you know that's that's all you can ask for. Lots of my opinions on Deitch are very conflicting because honestly, Lyndon, I think there's loads of room for improvement. Yeah, <laughs> despite what I said earlier, because I think where is your right, Adam, to say that you know Carlo Ancelotti and a few more transfer windows, if you condense the Brighton game, there were seven minutes to go when we had three points. We've then got a point, and then Sean Dyche is saying after the game, it's a point gained. Now, it's a point gained if you look at the last two seasons, but with the squad we've got and the ability we've got, um, you know, the approach, it shouldn't be a point gained. It was two points dropped for me, personally, because I was sat there at Goodison for much of the second half thinking, you need to make a change. <laughs> and this is where I'm having a lot of trouble with Dyche because there's so much that I praise him for. But there's just these little moments in games where I think I agree with you, Lyndon. There's it, it's not a case of we want them to be Brazil. We just want them to approach games in a different way when it's needed. Mm. Um and I don't think that, that Brighton side, you know, this is a Brighton side that have now gone six games without a victory. Um it's a Brighton side who had a lot of injuries, and it's a Brighton side that we were winning for eighty three minutes. So for me, it, I'm very conflicted because, you know, I'm not being critical of him, but it's just I feel like, I think it's fair to say he's massively improved us, but Everton should have more points on the board, if that's fair. Like, he's massively improved us, but there have been times when we've dropped points. And that, that's not to discredit the points he's gained us. You know, he is light years ahead of Frank Lampard as a manager, but it's just a few decisions he's made in terms of, you know, for me, the Ashley Young over Nathan Patterson isn't making sense to me. But the counter-argument is we're winning games of football, so it's fine. So it's very difficult that I'm sort of looking at things and it, it's sort of, I'm sort of in a position where when the first defeat comes, I, I'll be able to go, told you so. And it's not like that. <laughs> but it's it's sort of like, as you mentioned, Lyndon, we're getting the results. So yeah. it's great. But I'm just seeing things where it's like, well, because of where we've been, everybody thinks the Brighton game is a, is a great result. Because of we create, there's lots of chances. Everybody thinks Luke, uh, Wolves and Fulham 
is an unlucky result. Whereas for me, from what I'm watching, it's because of things the manager's doing. Um, and as I say, I, you know, I'm not being critical at all. It's just there are certain things that I think just need tweaking. And I think Everton can can be, you know, firmly in mid-table then, rather than going into these games where it's, you know, it could go either way. Um, so, yeah, Lyndon, I, I think I agree. With, I think I probably most agree with you in terms of what you said, that, you know, you're not asking them to do things they can't do because I, I think it's it's the home record, really. It, it's the fact that, you know, you've got players like James Garner and Amadou Anana who can really get on the ball. And the BM Nova ran a good us in every game. Um, I, mean, I know the Brighton game is a different one because they've got technically very good players as well but it, it's almost like the away team, he's really got it right but the home record it's a positive because you know he's got that time now and he's got that consistency in the team that he can turn that round but you know it's almost like if you compare it to like Martin as he was great at attacking but he was rubbish at defending, it almost feels like Sean Dyche is the perfect manager on the road but at Goodison, for me, I still feel like there's a lot to, to get right. Um, so it's really interesting and it's nice to be in that position that, you know, we, we are 14th. We have got points on the board, but you can see what the little tweaks that he can make to get to get us more. Because, you know, David Moyes is probably the most successful manager in my lifetime. And David Moyes used to do my head in every week. <laughs> and I, I, I think I think it's probably similar that, you know, I, I've just got a different opinion when I'm sat there. You know, he, he, Sean Dyche is a, a Premier League manager with over 10 years' experience. He knows what he's doing. I'm not saying that I'm right and he's wrong, but there's just little moments when it's, you know, it's when Brighton get the equaliser, you're like, Sean, why didn't you bring a sub on? But then when you get the 3-2 win, you think, fair play, Sean, you've got it absolutely right. So it's really interesting. And, you know, I don't want to be critical. I'm super positive. But there's just little things where I'm like, oh, can you just do that? And we could maybe have 18 points and not 14. But, you know, as long as we stay up, that is all that matters. Yeah, that's the be-all and end-all, isn't it? Um, just, just, just being in the league at the end of the season. But, yeah, I think, like, as you said about Moyes, I mean, you're never going to agree. None of us, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought it. No one's ever going to agree on everything a manager does. Everyone's always going to think, oh, I'm not sure he should be coming on or, you know, that, you know, you know whatever. And that's the way it is. But I think the reason I give Sean Dyche so much of the benefit of the doubt now is, is, is just the time he's had, really. I think it's about, about nine and a half months or so he's been here. You yeah, know, um, sure. Obviously, he was throwing right in at the deep end of what he had to do, and that was just survive. With, uh, and then the summer, you know, that, 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 was, that was difficult, obviously. Didn't know who he was going to be working with. And, yeah, like some of the games early in the season could have gone a bit better. But I think it's, you know, it's only really once the window finally shut. And even then, he lost Wobie, he lost the two players he was going to play on the right within the mat, you know, just when the window closed. And, Obviously, we've got Jack Harrison in. So, he hasn't had that long to work with what he's got. And um, I think when it's a case of saying, well, we can do better, I certainly feel we can do a lot better when um, when, when, we're, when we're defending a lead and uh, when we counter. And amount of times we sort of have a chance to counter and we just do so many dumb things with the ball. <laughs> it frustrates the heck out of me. But I understand it because I don't think he's had a lot of time to work with them players. Um, give him more time to do that. And given the con- and you, saw, it's just, you see the difference... Winning, winning makes in terms of confidence. You see players like like they did on on Saturday just do things a little bit better. I.e. the the, the uh, address the gay address the gay goal. I thought we didn't really we did, we saw less opportunities to counter than maybe say the Brighton game. I thought on Saturday, but were more effective when we did. Brighton, I thought we had so many chances when we won the ball, galloped forward and just lost it again. That was that's what I find really really frustrating in that game. Um, so hopefully that's getting better, and that's what happens with. 
winning mentality, confidence, but time on the training ground um, with, with, a, with a settled team. And the more he does that, they, um, you know, you'd, you'd imagine the more that they, they, that they can improve. Now, the caveat to that is it is quite a small squad. If we were to lose two players quite quickly to injury, suspension, we're really, really struggling there for numbers, aren't we? Yeah, you know I mean, Calvert Lewis, if he was to go down injured, you know, be injured for a couple of months again, better, um, better was doing done done quite well in the cameras. But you know what I mean? We're, 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 you know, it, it, it's a couple of injuries away from us really struggling to to find a winning formula potentially. So let's uh, let's let's hope the the sort of fitness bill continues to to stay strong because I think that's important. Just a word on Beto, actually though, it didn't really occur to me. Um, it's only um, I was in the office yesterday and uh, Nevertonian there was saying to us like it, it's a bit like um. When 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 Rooney was coming off the bench for Thomas Radzinski with Beto, I was like, "Come again, Rooney for <laughs> they took a pair Rooney with Beto." Um, but I get what they mean if you go back to if if you go back to <laughs> go back to that time because Radzinski would uh, run the defenders ragged, and then you'd have like uh, this young machine Rooney coming on and just uh, causing all sorts of havoc. And you think Beto, what, what, you know, you saw Carvalho Lewin. and. He worked hard on Saturday. We barely, barely got the ball, barely got the service. Really, they didn't didn't get much to work out. A lot of long balls up to him. Not really a lot he could really do. But he probably worked the defenders pretty hard. And then on comes this pacey, unorthodox Beto. Now you can't compare Beto to Rooney, but you can compare the sort of like the the late pacey sub. You know what I mean? He's going to cause problems because he's so, so unorthodox. And I think the last few games he made a big impact at Palace. Um, before he, obviously against the. Uh, they'd given up by then, really, Burnley in the Cup, but came on and uh, made, made an impact there. Um, didn't have much time at Brighton, but he's just, I think he's, everyone was really encouraged when he started, and that seems to dip a bit. He seems to be getting, in the last couple of games, hitting where he needs to be a little bit more. So, um, yeah, that just, 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 just as it occurs, we don't thought I'd mention it. So, it's, it's, that's one sort of option we got there up front. But, um, I think that as the season wears on, particularly we get into African Nations Cup, time and all that i think it, it, that'll be the true measure of what of what sean dice can do because that's when his, te- his squad is really going to be tested to the limit and i think that's when he's really going to have to find sort of solutions um so yeah um while, while he's going while he's going well now certainly i won't be criticizing him i just want us to sort of try and um just get get a bit better in them sort of uh you know counter-attacking areas when we're when we're when we're defending a lead because we're, we're a goal up after three minutes every game now so we're starting ahead every game so it's uh yeah so it's i don't know it's, it's strange isn't it talking about all these issues when we, you're the bit in the handoff you know at any time really over the last sort of year <laughs> so it's, it's to be where we are now so um yeah no complaints to me really with Daesh. it's because you can see how much better we can be and where we could actually yeah, we, yeah. where we could actually be this season we could i mean as, you know, just looking at that table, how condensed it is below the top, whatever, whatever it is, top eight or nine, you know, beyond that, there's quite a, a sort of big clutch of clubs in there and a couple of wins and you can actually move right to the top of it. As I say, I think if we beat United, it'll be four points behind them, which is, which is a bit mad to think, really. Yeah, I think like Elsa, it's not really criticism. It's just seeing what, what the potential is there and how much better we can actually be. You know, and if it does, if it doesn't turn out that way, if we don't improve that much on last season, but we stay up, then you know it's still job done. And then we obviously try and progress from there and uh, see how we go. But it's interesting how some of those stats when you when you were talking about the squad, uh, Paul. That I think since he's had the players that he wants, this this core unit that we have now since um, the, the new players came in off the transfer deadline, since Calvert Lewin came back, we're a top 
top half side in terms of form on the last nine games. So that's interesting. Yeah, the the, the, form, the form has big time coincided with Dominic being fit. Yeah. Big time. Like, yeah. that, that wouldn't be really evidential from the last game because it wasn't perhaps his, his most effective game. And he's got a couple of games about scoring now, but but it, it's certainly the impact he's made, the presence he's got. Like Andy said a few weeks ago, you forget how good a player he is, don't you, Dominic, actually? Because he's been been quite unavailable for a lot of this time. But that's been the big one for me, is the, 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 return, the return of Dominic Cavalier. And then, I do feel had he been available from the start of the season, a lot of them results which we are bemoaning when we, oh, we could have done better here and there. I think, you know, certainly one of them two games against Wolves and Fulham would have been a win. Maybe that win against that short shift United would have been a win. I mean, that's that, that's genuinely the case. So um, yeah, it it, could, it it is literally as simple as that for me. He's the big, he's he's, he's the big, the big one, the most, probably the most important important one really for me. I thought about something in the week um, when I was looking at the kind of the, the lineup for the Palace game, and um, there's nine nine English, or do I, do I mean British? No, I think I mean English. Nine Englishmen in that starting eleven, which is probably more than any other Premier League team, I would imagine. Um, the only other, the the only non English starters were uh, um, Mikalenko and Onana, I think. Um, I'm just wondering. I, I, this may be a very simplistic view. Um, I'm just wondering. You know, even if Patterson was at right back and Ali Ashley Young wasn't, he's clearly British English speaking um, as a first language. And I don't know whether that's got anything to do with the kind of the way this group is gelling. Um, is that too simplistic a view in this day and age with players playing? You know, coming from all over the world to play. You know, I mean. Maybe it is, but I just it just struck me that I can't remember an Everton team in recent times with that many well, English fair, players. Andy, in it. You know, you look at the Burnley team, that was probably the most English, mm. and Sean Dyche was the manager. Now now Vincent Company has come in, that English core isn't there. So I think there's probably something in that, just in terms of um communication and getting that point across, maybe. Um, you know, it could just be coincidence, but I think there is there is something in that. And obviously, I mean, uh, Onana and Mikalenko probably speak brilliant English. I, I don't work with them day to day, but it's just, it's kind of, I don't know, it, it may make it easier if you do have a kind of uh, an English core to the team. Like to Corey as well. So eight, but still, that's, yeah, but it's, oh, yeah. But Good I think point. as well, it, it's players, and I'd include the non English players in that first 11 in this, players of a similar kind of identity who all can. Mix it a little bit. We spoke about, uh, I think you mentioned El, those Moyes sides with Kale and Fellaini. We've kind of got Decore, who is both Kale and Fellaini in terms <laughs> of goal scoring, nuisance up top, um, getting involved in the play. And Mikalenko certainly toughened up. Um, and that's something we spoke about on the pod in previous episodes as well. Um, and now he's and now he's chipping in with goals as well. And Anana as well can obviously mix it. So I think it's it's maybe less a kind of nationality thing, but more a kind of plain culture thing. There's, there's, a, there's a much clearer identity, isn't it? And and I think you mentioned Lynn in the interview that Sean Dyche did. It's it's not it's not boring football. I, I, I don't think we're watching it and thinking, oh my god, this is so tedious. This is <laughs> Sam Allardyce. This is just awful to watch but it's it's effective for now but it's not that kind of dissatisfaction i think i think you're right it's more it's more that we're seeing that there's a higher ceiling certainly with some of these players and the team as a whole but i i really like to see tarkovsky kind of crunching into a tackle 
it goes along, Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Decore are mixing it up in the box, and then it leads to some quality play. It's because it's 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 fast. It's mm-hmm. yeah. I wouldn't say it's frenetic because there's there's some order to it. There's some kind of logic and reason to it, but you're just kind of getting to that end point a bit quicker, aren't you? So I think I think maybe that that's that's what's starting to kind of emerge from that Sean outside. I, I know Ashley um, Ashley Williams, remember him, um, was on Match of a Day. And I think he said something like, oh, this is a typical uh, Sean Dyche side. Dyche-ish, um, I think he said. Dyche- oh, Dyche-ish, uh, yeah, Dyche-ish, he said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, just as good a pundit as he was uh, <laughs> a centre back. But um, uh, he, um, he he said that it was very typical of a Dutch side. But I, I I don't really ever remember Eric Peters kind of bombing on and nodding one in. So I do think Dutch is adapting his style. But I think we're right to kind of draw parallels with that Burnley side to an extent in that there was a clear, simple way of playing. And I think for players who um, who are in recovery, to use your term, Andy, having some stability and having just very clear, simple instructions. Certainly with some of them, and w- when we're talking, you know, the same names have kind of come up from that Palace game in terms of Decore and Mikolenko. They're really reaping the benefits of that simple, simple instruction. And yeah, that's that's where, yeah, I, I, I agree. There's There's room for improvement and it would be, it would be nice if we could, tweak it a little bit and certainly do more on the ball at times but there's there's enough there at the minute to as, as we've said that the fact that I'm not necessarily too worried uh, apart from the fact that I live here too worried about Sheffield United's results or too aware of them really um, at this stage in the season compared to as we say that last international break um, last season um, which okay, different circumstances, but still, just being a little, a little more optimistic and looking at that next run of games in, you know, a, a busy as ever December coming up, and, and actually looking at most of the fixtures, apart from I'd probably say Man City at home, but you never know. But going into them and feeling something approaching, relaxed and optimistic, um, that's that's something we'd all have bitten bitten the hand off last year. So, um, so that's where I'm not too worried about upsetting the apple cart and. Uh, demanding Sean Dyche goes for a sort of continental style and uh, <laughs> rips up the coffee book too much. Yeah, 100%. Where you say, Adam, you know, everybody's chipping in and, you know, can all do a bit of everything. I think it's interesting to note as well where the goals have come from at the start of the mm. season because, you know, our strikers have got five goals in all competitions, our defenders have got five goals, um, and then you've got your wingers have got three and then your central midfielders have got eight. So, So that is, you know pretty even across the 11 that you know it's not just that it's it's great that we've we've got Calvert-Lewin back in the team we've got Beto on the bench we've got Chimiti there as well but we're not relying on the centre forward to get the goals you know we're, we're relying on the centre forward to knit it all together but it's almost like the centre forward has made everybody better in terms of an attacking sense as well because you know with that focal point Mikalenko can get into the box with within 49 seconds um, it, it's just it's brought the, it, it's just boosted the team tenfold, I think. Um, so as you say, Adam, you know we've got a team of players that can do a bit of everything, and it's good that they've all stepped up to the plate and, and are getting goals as well. Best, um, best, best, well, the best compliment, but a good compliment I can play, uh, pay Sean Dice is that when when Chef United got that late equaliser against Brighton the other day, 
I thought, oh, we're, we're Brighton in the league then. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like, oh, you know, like, how near are we to Brighton? Rather than thinking, oh, no. You know what I mean? Not not a relegation where I'll nick and a point at a team. You know, it, 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 yeah, it's just it's just how far away we are from that um from that drop zone, which is just uh you know, you're just not really thinking about it, are you? Yeah, you know, I mean I was I literally thought like, Well not far away we are from Brighton, not like, Oh crap, that's a that's that's not a result we want, you know. So it's uh it's uh yeah, it's just a, it's just great to, to to think like that and it's been forever since before like that, so so uh, happy days. Indeed. Um, any um, gripes about VAR and uh, the penalties that Palace did and didn't get? I guess like Tarkovsky gets dangles his leg out, I suppose, and the, and, the, and, the, and the lad sort of goes over it. But again, I'm loath to criticise players for diving too much because they all do it. But you just kind of feel that there's diving and players make males of things. And then there's diving. And I just felt like... Um, <laughs> Uh, as I, as I, I, thought, I, I just thought it was, it was just beyond the, the, the point of ridiculousness. And it wasn't just the two penalties; it was the periods before, like he was flinging himself everywhere. And I thought the referee, because because he was doing it, I thought the referee probably thought, well, I can't just give these every single time he does this, which is probably why I thought he made the decision to, to yellow card him. I think, and uh, you could argue that was, I know, it, it was, the, the, the leg was there to go over, but. And then throughout the game, I found but he'd foul a player and then just hit the deck himself like he'd been fouled as well. I was, he was really, I don't know, just crossed the line a bit too much for my liking him. So, yeah, I thought, I don't know, where like, are we getting them penalties? You know what I mean? Mm. You know, you know that, that, and, that, and that's the gripe. And we'll always go on about lack of consistency, but it was as apparent as ever there for me. And then you could also argue about, well, why why did Ashley Young get two yellows in the derby, and then this lad that you know didn't didn't get a second yellow? Yeah. He didn't even call a foul for the moment when he fouled gone outside the box. No, and that was didn't. a really boy. Yeah. That was a, that was that was a decent chance. You know what I mean? So consistency is frustrating. But I was I was I was disappointed in that in, in as I there. I thought like it was just a bit too much for my for my liking. Yeah, I think what sums it up is the end that as they went down is where Umo Nias. Was, was punished yeah. for you know deception of an official, and he's the only player I think in football history who has actually been punished for that. Um, I think there so was the one other. I know, that, I know that's yeah, I know that's going back about six years now, but it is it. Does you know? Yeah, right. Di- yeah, don't forget you know, now. We have elephant, <laughs> we have elephant memories for yeah. this kind of stuff. <laughs> but what, what's disappointing is as well is where if referee you know referees and officials in the FA. Have the power to stamp this out. After Imar Nias got that punishment, I'm sure he didn't dive again. And it, it's just a shame that so many years after, it's still happening because there isn't that consistency. Um, so that was the thing for me. I just thought it was quite ironic that you know that the, the end that that occurs <laughs> is the is the end where we saw an Everton player get you know severely punished when no well you know nobody's come close to to mm. a similar punishment. Um, but I do think that. That's where the officials really let themselves down. Is I think that you know, with proper officiating, you can stamp these things out of football, um, and it just hasn't happened. Um, and I, I just think you know, when you've got a player like Eze with all that talent, is it, it is a shame that he does go down like that. But fair play to him. I think he's the first player who's given Branthwaite a, a tough afternoon. Mm-hmm. I think you know. I think mm. I think he was a different. I think Branthwaite, you know, was I think he's so good. And I think this was the first time where I thought someone's, you know, someone's getting the better of me. But it was good to see that he was still, you know, unfazed. You know, he stuck the foot out, but hopefully he'll learn from that. And, it, you know, it's a good learning experience for him. Yeah. And I think that's why I wasn't too angry 
about the decisions because he kind of he, he did the same thing twice, didn't he? As they did, and I think one of those decisions in isolation, you'd say that's 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 really soft. And I did expect it to be overturned. Um, it wasn't, but it's 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 pretty naive defending. So it's a good lesson learned. I, I agree with you on Eze, by the way. I think, well, actually, I agree with both of you. I think on the one hand, yeah, infuriating in terms of some of his play acting, but he he was he was really dangerous and. I guess a lesson for us in future recruitment in terms of picking players, young hungry players up from uh, the league below and the likes and getting someone in who's a bit direct. Because if we speak about having someone on the break, having someone like that who can really run at plays is, is probably the one thing we'd, we we could really do with certainly off the bench um, at wide. Because when we talk about that small squad, that's, that's one area where if McNeil and Harrison are tiring, we're not really seen a big impact off the bench or we're, we're moving Ashley Young for, further forward um, and then getting to see Patterson but not really the way we kind of imagine it so I think that was that was a side note but yeah disappointing decisions um, but not not on the level of uh, irk that I had after the derby certainly um, although we've not had the Michael Owen Howard <laughs> the, uh, the uh, what do you call it the uh, PGMO P-G-M-O-L. Correct. It's such yeah. a boring acronym that I've uh, forgotten <laughs> it halfway through. But um, yeah, that awful show yet. Um, we, we've not had that treatment yet. So I'm sure later on in the year we can we can ignite the fume for one of those uh, sessions. But yeah, not, 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 not the worst refereeing performance. But again, just as you mentioned, Paul, it's the, the consistency is frustrating or lack thereof. Those those shows usually involve the, the media darling clubs. So we'll have to... Uh... Get into the mm. top ten, maybe before they'll even look at us. <laughs> <laughs> I was both disappointed and relieved that I wasn't here for the episode that you discussed VAR at a bit more length, um, because I, I I absolutely yeah. despise it in all of its <laughs> forms, and um, and can talk about it at length as to why it should be scrapped completely. But I won't go there now because we're <laughs> on an upward trajectory and we're being positive this week and happy and. All that kind of stuff, and actually, that one, I suppose, in in all that game, kind of went for us, didn't it? So let's um, yeah, and and the week before yeah. when we got the offside decision against Lewis Dunk, you know, I mean, these mm. they they worked in our favour, and and it yeah. was correct. Maybe it's a better system than I give it credit for. Mm. Yeah, I mean, on, on the the penalty decisions, I thought the first one was a penalty. I thought Branthwaite put his foot out, catches him. Um, the second one is an interesting one, depending on the the angle that you look at it. So the behind the goal angle, it does look as though Branthwaite sweeps his back foot. But then when you look at it from, there was a cell phone video that someone took from the crowd, and you can actually see he leaves his foot in deliberately to get it swept. But the interesting thing then is on the, the third angle is you can actually see Onana catches his other leg as well. So there is, the, there is a case for a penalty there. I think it was harsh to book him for diving, even though he was kind of throwing himself around. Um, and then you're kind of left with the, the argument about how much contact should there be to get a penalty you know and that's that's a whole other that's a whole other discussion that uh, we won't get into now um okay so let's finish off we got united next a meeting between two clubs in uh, very different places in terms of morale as we've been discussing uh, eric ten Hag looks like he'll make it through the international break as their manager but won't be in the dugout at goodison because he's suspended not that it makes that much difference if the manager's on the touchline or not um Adam, how are we feeling about this one? I think uh, we can feel good about our chances of compounding their misery, can't we? 
I think so, yeah. As I mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm starting to look forward to these kind of games again. Yeah. And I think if we're, if we're talking about how we've looked promising away from Goodison, but not necessarily capitalised yet, um, this feels like the ideal opportunity to put that right in terms of um, the opposition and being fired up for it. But also, as you mentioned, a, a club who... They're a bit weird, aren't they? They're just us, but a slightly kind of glossier <laughs> version, richer. really. Yeah, richer. Um, um, but they, they're kind of... Well, I, I, I really don't know what to make of them. What, what I would say is that the template of getting at sides early, putting them under the cosh, being direct and troubling the back four, if we can do that against that Manchester United defence then I feel really confident about about taking something from the game because we mentioned how important Calvert-Lewin is to that side and he w- he will really fancy his chances. Um, I would I would at times fancy my chances against uh, <laughs> some of that back four. Um, fellow Chessfield lad, Harry Maguire. But, um, <laughs> but who... On on his day is 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 a difficult opponent, I'm sure, but I feel like we we have enough around Dominic Carver Lewin now as well. Certainly with Harrison providing that balance, certainly with Decorey playing close to him, it's a system that I feel they'll see coming, but it's still very difficult to deal with. Mm-hmm. So if we can do that, if we can make the most set pieces, which we've been doing as well, if we can continue to get other players into the box at dangerous times and we mentioned it earlier I think it's it's a game where we'll expect to have less of a ball so making more of those counter-attacking opportunities as well um, seeing more from the likes of McNeil who has done a lot of running but not necessarily shown as, as much kind of potency as he has done at other times in his Everton career I think that'll be really important so I'm going to I'm going to go on a limb and I'm going to say I'm going to say we win this I I I feel, I feel, Ooh. yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> and that's, yeah, I, I I don't think that's kind of pie in the sky. It feels it feels like a winnable fixture, and and part of that it must be said is Manchester United's dip in form. It's not it's not just us being on an upward curve. But I look at our recent form, I look at their side, and I look at their areas of potency and I, I, I feel like I, I saw that Ericsson and Hoyland might be out as well so they're, they're less of a threat than they have been in previous years so yeah maybe three goals again who knows Away from home Manchester United this season have beaten Burnley by one goal Sheffield United by one goal and Fulham by one goal that is it away from home in all competitions Um which gives me even more confidence than I thought I had about three minutes ago before I saw that. Um, that They're not great. And they've also got Galatasaray mm. away the Wednesday after they come to Goodison. And that is, I mean, beyond all the games at the moment, I, I'd say that was the one they have to go and win. Um, so I'm really confident about this. Um, like we've been saying, whoever I think we come up against, I think we're going to be in the game. I've, I, you know, the, the the twice, well, the once we haven't definitely been in the game this season is the Villa match. Um, apart from that, I mean, even the Arsenal one, you could you could argue score scoreline wise, we were in it. 
um, for a long period. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm I, I, I'm like a bit like you. I, I, I've I looked at this run of games ooh, about a month ago. Was that on the pod? We had a look at the run, and, and you could see it both ways. All of a sudden, it was like, well, it might not be too bad to run this, and we've done really well so far. And yeah, I mean, we'll be in the game. I know that much, and um, I think this is probably also why the the Carabao Cup is quite as exciting as it is because against anybody we are going to be in a game of football now um and you never know and um yeah i i i would fancy us to get some out of this one too um and that is again a bit like adam just said it's half because of them but it's half because of us as well um so yes bring them on i mean all of a sudden you look at fixtures and you think completely differently than what we would have you know, you look at our next few games now and you think, well, United home, Forest away, Newcastle home, they're no great shakes at the minute. Um, Chelsea home, Burnley away, Fulham home in the in the League Cup. Owned by some great shakes, so. <laughs> um, that was very good. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, the build-up the build to Christmas, I expect maximum points. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm quietly confident, but I'd be more confident if it was at Old Trafford, because I, I just feel like, <laughs> like honestly, the home and away performances are a, a night and day for me. And I think, really, in that game, I remember you agreed with me, Lyndon, that with the Arsenal game, Everton shouldn't be shouldn't be going out that way at Goodison. You know, we we should be trying to win the game, and so I hope that's what Sean Dyche does now that we've we've got more confidence, we've got points on the board, and as as Andy and Adam have just alluded to, you know, Man United aren't doing that great this season. I hope we, you know, attack this game. I hope we really go out there and, you know, try and get that early goal as we have done and then keep at it. I, I, you know, I wouldn't like us to go 1-0 up and then sit back again because I think that is where, you know, as we saw against Brighton, that's where you get punished. So I think a lot of it is on, on the manager really on, in terms of how he approaches it. He's got, more than enough to, to beat Manchester United. Um, and I just think, go for it. You know, really, if we're 1-0 up, go for it. If we're 1-0 down, go for it. Don't don't be sort of being a bit meek about things or being a bit conservative. It, it's got to be one of those games because I think that's where Goodison really comes alive, in you know, against Manchester United. If it's 1-0, go for the second because the crowd will be right behind you. Whereas... The longer it goes on, where you sat back and you've got, you know, although they are quite a poor side, you've got some terrific players that can hurt you, um, and that's where Goodison can get a bit angsty. So, yeah, I think it's it's a good test for Deitch to to see where we're at and to see where he's at with the squad, to to see how proactive he is and and what changes he makes to to affect the game in the second half rather than sort of clinging on as we've seen in a few of the past games at home. Yeah, it sort of feels a bit too positive so far. So I'm just going <laughs> to book, book that trend a little bit. Um, just with a little bit of a cautionary tale from uh, from last season uh, when um, we went into the Man U game at home, pretty buoyant because we'd. I can't. I, I, I barely. Can't, I, I still can't believe this actually happened. But we won. We won back to back games on the Frank Lampard uh, at home to West Ham, and away at Southampton. And I think before that we had a few draws. Well, a little bit of a run, but. All right, we're on the up here. Um, sounds sounds crackers now, doesn't it? <laughs> Given what happened, pretty much after this, pretty much from this game, really. Um, we went one up, didn't we? And then we just uh, after that, we were, we were pretty awful, weren't we, against Man United that uh, that evening? And that was a Sunday night, and 
Yeah, I don't know. Is it just an Evertonian thing to sort of? <laughs> we've seen it enough times when you just, you know, you think, yeah, I've won a bit of a role there. Yeah, we'll take these on, and then we lose. You know, what I mean, now obviously, I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen. I'm just, uh, I've just seen it so many. I just feel like I've read this book so many times that, like, it's just when, <laughs> just it's, you know, just when you think things are looking up, just when mm-hmm. you think, oh yeah, good time to play these, or they're the way at Galatasaray, or they're on Belfort. Just when you feel like, come on, we'll do it. Remember. You all remember them, weren't you? Like the the, the Sunderland on Boxing Day would have been 10 wins in a row or something stupid like that, and we lost to the worst team in the league. And little ones like that beat Villa at home, and then, we, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll be third or something like that. And no, we you know we, we draw for the all. Beat 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 Villa away, and we go top of the league. No, we lose. You know what I mean? It's, 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 so, it's so evident to sort of uh, blow it when you expect them to sort of do it. Um, but, you know... The the bottom the, the way the way we are it's not a case of like we lose the man year it's it's the end of the world whereas maybe last season it might have been so um, let's just see how we go um, I'm just struggling to get too carried away of it it's a bit of a tester for Dice I agree with what Al was kind of referring to a little bit and I find against the big teams and I don't know if, I, I, I presume Dice has kind of always done this but it feels to me like when it's particularly away I guess against the big teams he tends to sort of recoil a bit and just go to this, like, you know, let's not lose rather than let's go and have a crack at winning. I'd like to think he would also. You might ignore the fact that it's kind of Manchester United and look at, look at it for what they are at the moment and have a good go at them and not be too conservative and not be too cautious going into the match. But um, I just can't help to have that little bit of angst going into this game. So I'll uh, I'll, I'll be a coward and give us a give us a point in this one and uh, <laughs> that will do. <laughs> Well, Deitch has talked about uh, changing the story, changing the narrative. So maybe that's what he'll do. I, I think that I think he will take into account the way the United were, the, the United are. I think he'll be telling the players, you know, this is a, this is an opportunity. And I think that this one actually, the way that we play and they play, this one may as well be at Old Trafford because I think we're going to approach it more like an away game. We're going to play, as you said, Adam, on on you know, play counter-attacking football. I think that's going to play right in, right into our hands. And um, another another early goal that would be nice. Apparently, apparently, we've scored more goals in the first minute in pre- than any other side in Premier League history, which I think is a a really interesting stat. Um, and a lot, quite a few of those have been like in the last couple of years. I mean, it's obviously a good a good trait to have, as long as, as you were saying, we don't sit back and then just try and uh, absorb it for the next uh, eighty nine plus minutes. But um, yeah, no, I think. Uh, I think I think we can go into it with a fair amount of confidence. It's yeah, it's when it's when complacency comes in. But I think complacency comes in when you're playing a team that you are expected to beat. I think in this instance, um, we won't be expected to beat them even even as badly as the way they're as badly as they're playing right now. We will still probably be you know, regarded as underdogs. So I think that plays into our hands nicely. Let's finish off with our weekly question. And I think this one was Paul's suggestion. Uh, given that we're almost uh, two, uh, almost a third of the way through the season, uh, who is your player of the season so far? And we can go in alphabetical order again. That'd be me. Um, it's it's actually it's tough, and in the fun way, not in the yeah. <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah. Who, who could it be? Um, <laughs> it was tough for last season, I think, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Andy Lonergan because he didn't do anything. Um, Blameless. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll go. I know I was going to say, um, based on our conversations today, 
I'll go with the other option that I was going to have because it's it's probably the less likely one. Um, I'll I'll say Dominic Calvert Lewin purely because not necessarily for his own individual performances, although they've often been really good, but just how we look. Um, I think you mentioned it, Paul, but I'm sure it's it's a universal feeling. But we just look so much better with him, and he's one player. Even though we have got better in reserve, and I agree that a better walking into a more settled side will will also cause problems. But to me, Dom is just so 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 pivotal. Not not only to the results that we picked up, but the going into games like this against Manchester United I feel like we've got a goal in us and I think you said oh, yeah we're spreading the goals out across the side and that's great but he he looks really sharp and yeah he, he just makes us a better side so I'll, I'll I'll say Dom but really I wanted to say Decore but I feel like someone else will pick him so I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll see if I was wrong to do that Andy who do you think mm, there you go um, yeah it, it... It was it was one of two for me, and the other one wasn't Dominic Carver-Lewin, so I'm not going to say the other one. Um, I just think <sighs> Abdelai Decore is, is in some ways such a strange footballer, um, and he does things um, in a kind of unorthodox way. Um, but he also, in the same breath, kind of gets himself in positions and does things that no one else can do in a strange way. Um, and it's not because he's doing Lionel Messi things. It's just because he's doing Abdullah de Corre things. He's definitely not and, doing Messi things. Uh, he, he's <laughs> Messi with a Y. Yeah, no, he's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's very messy, isn't it? Very good. Um, but I just, I, just, I just don't think we have another player like it. I don't think there are too many other players like it, full stop. Um, and I think all of these qualities... Have just come out. I mean, he's he's played in every single game so far this season. Um, he's obviously scored his four goals. They've all been important goals. Um, he is, in many ways, the perfect foil to what we are trying to do up front with 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 Dominic or or, or better or whatever. Um, and I just think I chose him because also you look at where he was not so long back. And you could never have imagined um, he would be such a pivotal player for Everton. Um, he tries incredibly hard. Um, and he's um, he's just so interesting to watch. Um, and, um, and yeah, so for that reason, I've, I've gone to Corey. Um, and I've, I really enjoyed watching him. And, um, and I, I think he's just so important. Yeah, definitely. I remember tweeting about Decore uh, the other month that, to, to quote Forrest Gump, life is like an Abdelai Decore counter-attack. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> you know, he can he can score like a volley from 30 yards and then two minutes later he can't pass five yards. He's a really great footballer. Um, but for me, players of the season so far is Jared Branthwaite um, because I think he's just brought an element of composure um, that was really lacking in the team. And I think... You know, if, if Everton had signed a, a new centre back for thirty million who put in the displays that Branthwaite had, we'd all be raving about him. You know, who who is this defender? So for me it's Branthwaite that he's come in uh, off the back of a successful loan and he's just slotted in seamlessly and he's just really improved the Everton team. In a in a similar way to how Adam described Calvert Lewin. You know, he he's just 
he's just improved that back line so much. And I think he's made Tarkovsky a better defender. I think he's probably given Mikalenko confidence because Mikalenko knows that, you know, he's got that support there. Um, and I just think he's a quality player. And I think he's one of those players that, you know, he's been at Carlisle and he's been at Everton. And he's probably worked under many coaches, but I think you don't need to coach him. I think he just, he knows what to do. He knows where to be. And I think that's massive for Everton because without being too harsh on Michael Keane, I feel like Michael Keane needs his hand held. And I think that's that's added to the pressure for the likes of Tarkovsky. Whereas Branthwaite, I just feel like the 11, as we've said, you know, under Deitch, that every player knows his job. And I think with Branthwaite in the team, they can all just get on with it. They they, they know that, you know, he's a young lad, but he doesn't need that support like a, like a Keane or a Godfrey might. Um, so I think for me, it's him. Just the, the way he's um, bolstered that Everton team with just his know-how, really. We are we doing this in true true yeah, true alphabetical order, Lyndon? <laughs> that would be you, you next, unless I unless I've got the alphabet wrong all these years. No, no, no. <laughs> You're right. I was going to defer, but um, I um, <laughs> the, the yeah, the, those were the you know, the three that have been mentioned. With obviously the the three standout candidates. I mean, Calvert Lewin. If the question were who is the most important player, then I think uh, Calvert Lewin would get it. But maybe for the fact that you know he has he missed the first five games in all competitions, uh, maybe that discounts him slightly. Um, Branthwaite, I think, is is the other one that came to mind because he's just been, as you said, everything you just said, Al, you know, for all those reasons. But I think, for me, mine is also Decore. Um, it, part of the fact that the journey that he has come on in the last year, I mean, <laughs> quite quite what Lampard didn't see, maybe it was just a, simply a personality issue, who knows? But, I mean, it was, given our predicament, that decision in hindsight just looks like madness um you know and and as 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 has already been said i mean he just he pops up in the right areas he's there you know it, it just it just seems to be in the right in the right place to score really really important goals and perhaps the most most important stat is we haven't lost when he scored so long may that continue <laughs> I like the call. He drives me mad. Some of the things he does is absolutely are so mad. I mean, but how, how can you how how can you be so mad at a player who's who makes so many so many positive contributions to your team? It's 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 absolutely mad. Um, and Blanford, I think it's the uh, it, it, it's a very fair call to to get uh, to say he's been our best player this season so far too. Uh, I feel um, mine's his partner actually, um, and I mentioned a little bit earlier, James Karkowski. Um, I just feel these. I thought the first couple of games, and yeah, you're probably right, Al. Actually, playing alongside um, uh, Javid Banfield, we probably brought the best out of him. I thought he started the season off quite poorly, first couple of games. I know we're only twelve games in, but I think um, since he's worked alongside Javid, I I feel he's he's probably helped Javid a little bit. As you say, Javid probably doesn't need all that help, but I think it's uh, he's still a young player. He's probably nurturing along a little bit, and I feel um, he's really picked up big time. Tarkovsky and one in performance, so that he made that wild, wild mistake the other day, which I still can't quite understand. But other than that, he's—I um, just think he's been absolutely fantastic, and he's—he's he's captained as well. He's been, you know, he's—he's he's, he's been quick to speak to referees when when he's not happy about something. He's been quick to sort of have a go at protect their own players and have a go at others. So he's doing a good job as captain. Scored a good, scored a good goal as well at Brentford for the course, which was which was important for the win, and um, just all around, doing, yeah, I just think he's he's, he's really cut. I mean, he had a good season last year, but he's really to me kicked on another level. I feel this season, so uh, that'd be my uh, my shot for so far, James James Sarkowski. 
And there's others in there as well, isn't there? That's the nice mm. thing. There's obviously we've not mentioned like James Garner. I think certainly Mikalenko in terms of the improvement we've seen be another one who'd be right up there, certainly in terms of his contributions. But yeah, it's it's, it's nice to have a, a choice to pick from. Yeah, I mean, Onana's played well as well. Can I just add as well, the way Paul described Decore is exactly how I feel about Deitch. That's exactly... <laughs> that. You, you've just... Uh, the way I went on before going, I'm being positive and I'm not being critical. He's, how, he does my head hurt, but how, you know, he does so many positive things. <laughs> yeah, very true. Uh, All right. Well, thanks as always, fellas. Uh, it's nice to be feeling upbeat for a change rather than fretting about where the points are going to come from. Uh, we're, we're still awaiting the outcome, obviously, of this independent commission, the verdict from which could come any day now, I suppose. Uh, and if, if something of significance happens between now and the game against United, we might be back before then. Uh, if not, we'll return in a couple of weeks' time to review the game against United. So all the best until then, and up the mid-table toffees. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 